system. So oftentimes what business owners tend to do is overcomplicate or imagine what they think a system is and how much work it's going to be to create it. And then that becomes part of the overwhelm. If, if we can at first think about simplifying what a system might be, and then if we start to think um, just because we don't systemize something doesn't mean it's going to magically stop happening in your business. So when we get started, really what we do is... Hello and welcome to Small Business Pivots. I'm your host, Michael Morrison, a small business coach who helps small business owners grow a business that can run without them. Go to michaeldmorrison.com to learn how we can help you. On this podcast, we talk to small business owners to learn the pivots they made to grow their struggling business into a successful business now doing a million dollars or more in annual revenue. Currently, entrepreneurs are mapping out their game plans for the new year ahead. And this episode has something for you to consider including in your strategic plan. And frankly, this information is for any small business owner who is ready to take their business to the next level at any time of the year. In a recent private networking group exclusively for small business owners, we delve deep into the critical realm of systems and processes. Today, we're thrilled to share this previously private podcast publicly, a recent recording featuring none other than the renowned author hailing from Australia, David Jennings. His groundbreaking book, Systemology, earned accolades, including being forwarded by the legendary Michael Gerber, author of the number one bestseller, The E-Myth. The information in this previously private episode, now on YouTube, has been so instrumental to helping countless business owners take their business to the next level that it is currently our all-time viewed YouTube video for 57 weeks and still counting. This episode would not have been possible without our video partner, Design Tunnel, in Oklahoma City. Find out more about their industry-leading video production studio and video podcasting services by visiting designtunnel.com. Get ready as we unlock the secrets to taking your business to the next level through the power of systems and processes, what they are and why you need them. Listen now to pave the way for success and learn why systems and processes should be included in your strategic plans. Here we go. All right, so welcome business owners. We have a special treat this month. There's two books, if you're a business owner, that I always suggest that you start with. One is The E-Myth. The second book you have to buy is Systemology, and that's our guest today, David Jennings. Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a pleasure to be on the show today. Excellent. Well, we appreciate it. So anyways, I'm going to hand it over to you and uh, let you share your knowledge with the world. Well, I think the first couple of things to think about is what is a system? So we're all on the same page. Like I think of it as a consistent set of steps that when followed produce a consistent outcome. To simplify what form that could take. Maybe that's a little checklist. Maybe it's just a video that you record on your phone while something is getting done. And that might be version one of a system. So oftentimes what business owners tend to do is overcomplicate or imagine what they think a system is and how much work it's going to be to create it. And then that becomes 
part of the overwhelm. If, if we can at first think about simplifying what a system might be, and then if we start to think um, just because we don't systemize something doesn't mean it's going to magically stop happening in your business. So, when we get started, really what we do is we try and identify the 80-20. We just identify what are the key essential parts of the business, what is uh, essential, delegatable, and repeatable, and we start there first. And we want to make sure that we just get simple systems in place, a little video recording here. The, the purpose of doing this is to make sure that certain things, essential things, get done in a consistent way without the oversight of the business owner feeling like they need to micromanage or keep across something because the expectation is, is more clearly outlined and defined in a system because a system really helps to outline expectation of why you need to do something, how it needs to be done and what success looks like. And your business really is a collection of these simple systems. And that's the other thing. Your business isn't broken. Like you can get tremendous wins by just capturing what you're currently doing and find out who is already doing the thing really well. Who's answering the phone when the incoming call comes in? Who's issuing out an invoice? Who's onboarding the client? Who's doing some of your LinkedIn marketing? Figure out where these tasks are already getting done and who's doing it to a good enough standard and make that repeatable. Because then you can bring everybody up to that standard. Most small businesses struggle with repeatability. And this goes a long way to making sure that you can be consistent and repeatable and remove that key person dependency that you were talking about and make sure that you're more process dependent. So um, there's like a, a few ideas there. Uh, and I know we'll probably be able to go in lots of different directions. Um, the other thing to realize is that this is a game of compounding and you add one little system in and you might not see a huge change. It's just a micro 1% win. You add another one in, you get another 1% win. But if you fast forward six, 12 months in the future, all of those micro 1% wins, at some point, you reach this inflection point. And it's the turning point in the business where you, you just go off on this exponential curve because now all of the benefits of those smaller systems have started to compound and started to produce results. And, and a lot of times the business owner gives up within that first three months. You know, they, they read the systemology book, they listen to this podcast episode, they get all excited and they give it a good go and they go, yes, I tried that for three months. It didn't work. I put systems in place. My team didn't follow the process. We're too creative to have systems. Mail systems always change. Like they come up with all of these excuses and reasons and they abandon it and they don't get the result. And the issue was they just didn't persist with it long enough mm -hmm. before the results actually started to shine through and become more obvious. So, but they're definitely some of the challenges business owners face. Yeah. What would you say? So what I also love about systemology is you kind of take a different angle and you start with the customer. So share a little bit about that so that somebody has an, an idea of where to start, you know, how to get a handle on it. Okay, so we all agree that they're important and they need to happen at some point in time. Then the next question is, well, where do I start? Because there's an infinite number of things that could be systemized, as you said, and that can kind of lead to overwhelm. So we then have to go down to the essential and think, 
what is the business here to do? Like you, you're, you're looking to build a profitable enterprise that works without you. And to do that, what, what needs to happen? Well, the business needs to be able to sell a product or a service that has no key person dependency. Because if the business can make money without key person dependency, it can actually solve just about any other problem. Because almost any other problem in business can be solved with money because you just pay for the consultant to come in and fix that thing or you get the new team member or you buy the new software. So at the heart of it, we just need to make sure that this money machine can work and we can build a machine that can deliver a core product or service. So that with that idea in mind, the first step in systemology is we map what we call the critical client flow, which is we map the linear journey that the prospect as they turn into a client and we the business delivers the core product or service, what does that look like? And that becomes the starting point. You say, how do you grab the attention of the target audience? How do you handle the incoming inquiry? How do you sell them? What is your sales process? How do you onboard them? How do you take money and, you know, do you take 50% up front and 50% on completion or do you take all the money up front? And then how do we get them into your system and deliver that core product? And then how do we hand it over and get them to come back? And you map that first and then you ask the question, where in my critical client flow is the pain? Where is the area that you as the business owner whether consciously or subconsciously uh, avoiding or knowing that that piece is painful. I see this all the time. Business owners, uh, they might be great salespeople and they already know they're already operating at capacity. And they know if I sell this person, this prospect that I'm chatting with now, that's actually going to equal pain because I'm already busy. I'm already full. I'm going to struggle if I add a new client in here and I'm going to have to do the onboarding and getting them all set up and then whether consciously or subconsciously, they start to push prospects away and they try and, you know, disqualify them or say that they're not right or whatever. And they undermine their skill as a salesperson. Whereas if they had the confidence to know that we can deliver an amazing product or service at scale and I can feel confident that I can deliver on the promises that I make in the sales process, then they're going to be able to sell infinitely harder because they're not going to have it in the back of their mind that they're going to make a promise that they then can't keep. So it's, if you, uh, you know, asking the question, where is the pain or saying, if we got 10 times the amount of customers or leads that we have currently, what breaks first inside the critical client flow? And you go to work on that. For some people, it's leads. For some people, it's the delivery or doing of the work. For some people, it's sales. For some, like every business is a little bit different and depends on sort of the unique circumstance. But the critical client flow identifies the mission critical systems that the business needs to make money. And then you can narrow the focus further based on what's going on in the business and what's going to get the immediate biggest win. You're listening to Small Business Pivots a podcast created for small business owners who are ready to take their business to the next level with more freedom and more profit. If you need help growing your business, go to michaeldmorrison.com. If you need video production or video podcasting services for your business, don't forget to visit our video partners at designtunnel.com. Let them know we said hi. And one last thing, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast 
so we can meet our goal of helping more small business owners grow their business. Let's get back to our guest. So I believe you have a storage system. Would you like to talk about that of how to, I think the organization of these things, you know, because if I found that if people can't find what they're looking for, the process, they won't use it. You want to make sure if, as you're introducing systems into your team, that you make this as easy as possible for them. Because your best team members like you, the business owner, is pro- they're probably already very busy. And the last thing that they want to do also is sit down and create systems and processes because they've got a hundred other things that are infinitely more important. There are clients they've got to get back to. There's priorities that you or other team members may have given them. And writing a process feels important, but not urgent. So to, we need to think about if, if we want to break that habit um, of I'll just do it myself, we need to start to think about how can we bring it to their awareness? How can we make it easy? One of the things that we do is um, we suggest you get uh, and identify someone in your team called a systems champion. And it's the person who really drives this initiative where they might meet with the knowledgeable worker They might record them doing the task and then they do the documentation and then they store it into the software and make it central and put the links everywhere because that's about making it easy. So when you first start out, you want to keep it simple. And if you've got no systems at all, just use Google Docs or something like that. It's better than nothing. You need a starting point, right? Then over time, as you start to grow and then you recognize that the systems are one of, if not the most important asset in your business, you should then start to give those systems some respect. Um, Because, I mean, the team is another really important asset, but they also come and go. The systems are going to remain with you. So it's the only valuable uh, asset that that goes with you everywhere and stays with you all the time. So you want to give it the respect that it deserves by being the most valuable asset. You then start to think about, how do I store these? How can I make it central? How can I make sure that the team can use it? How can I make sure that this is easy? How can I make sure that all of the IP and this is how we do it here and the business brain is stored somewhere outside of the heads of the people that can come and go and things change? And so that that's a big part of it. So we developed a software called System Hub and that's what that particular platform does. It's just a place to store it. And whether it's you use System Hub or something else or whatever, as long as you take away the key lesson that you need to have this stored somewhere centrally that everybody can access rather than having it, oh, that's in a folder on Jenny's desktop. Oh, that's in uh, a Google Drive folder. In here. Oh, no, well, that one's in a printed checklist sitting by the computer over next to the, the computer over there. Like you have to, if it's everywhere, it's nowhere. We need to make sure that all of this knowledge is centrally located. And then there's a few little bit of extra nuance that you have to go through. Um, Then thinking about how do we then, once we've got these systems, continually have it under the nose of the team members at the time at which they're assigned a task. Mm -hmm. So if you're using project management platform, you put a link to it inside the task as it's been assigned to them. If you're, inside a bakery and you're about to stand next to the mixing machine, you get a QR code that someone can scan on their phone and they jump to the system directly. So it pops up straight for them. You just need to make sure that 
the point at which they're doing the task, the how-to information is readily accessible and easily accessible. Mm -hmm. And I'm sharing this because uh, I think it can relate to a lot of us. The business owner actually made this comment. He said, I now truly understand the difference of not having SOPs because it's like having, back in the day, we had copiers. So it's like having a copy. When you made a copy, you always wanted the original but if you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, it starts getting diluted and, and looks ugly. And, and that's that's what SOPs are. We have them written down. And so everyone's following them. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I mean, what have you found? Yeah. There? And one of the biggest um, things that small business struggles with is repeatability and consistency. And if you can solve that problem, because that's really all your clients want. Your clients want to know what they're going to expect. And, you know, McDonald's doesn't make the best, best burger. They right. just deliver a burger consistently. So you know what you're getting. So a big part of this is figure out at least as step number one, we can optimize and improve and get better over time. But first, figure out who's currently doing the thing really well Let's codify and quantify and systemize what's getting done and bring everybody up to that standard and make sure everybody follows the process. So we say, this is how we do it here. And once that happens, you can get tremendous wins in the business just by bringing everybody up to that standard. And that becomes the new baseline. Yes, over time we can optimize and improve, but all of that comes later. And it's also one of the reasons that systemology is so different from everything that's come before it. All of the process improvement methodologies that have come before it, you know, Six Sigma and Lean and some of these big methodologies, they all, I mean, it's in the name. It's process improvement. It pre-assumes that you have already identified what your process is and you're now trying to improve the process and optimize it. But most small businesses haven't yet captured their first version or how they're doing something. So systemology comes a little bit before that. Systemology is actually about process capture. And it's how do we identify what our best practice is that'll be our new benchmark and let's start there because, you know, tremendous wins happen from that consistency. But what, what do you kind of see? If it's done right, should we work on one a week and over a period of time, we have 50 to 100 or, you know, and then kind of like, when can we start seeing some results? I generally suggest going in sprints of about 15 to 20 systems, not much more than that at any one point in time where you'll sit down and you'll do a sprint. Now, how quickly you get that sprint done? Maybe you do that in a month. Maybe you do that in three months. You need a systems champion or someone on your team who's responsibility this is to support the other team members and really champion it and keep it front and center and make sure it's obvious. So you want to give them a little bit of capacity. We also want to make sure it's easy for our team to do. So that systems champion might be doing the documentation. So if you had uh, a systems champion identified and you lent in and you said, right, I'm going to do those first 15 to 20 systems within the first three months, you'll start to see really good positive results. And that'll kind of pump you up to keep going. But you just start to get a whiff of it, almost like a little bit of a, um, a nibble at that point in time. Generally speaking, you're looking at, you know, I would say at least nine to 12 months of chipping away at this. And you'd probably get three or four sprints completed over that period of time. And um, 
then you reach what we call um, minimum viable systems. It's the minimum number required of systems to run your business. That's that inflection point that I was talking about that you really want to make. So I think if you make a decision and you say, I'm going to do this, you want to really give yourself at least 12 months and make this legitimate, Mm -hmm. find a systems champion on your team or give it someone's responsibility, get them a copy of the systemology book, say, I need your help to implement this. I'm going to give you space and capacity to make sure this happens. This is not just a little task I've tacked on as responsibility and, and you're already busy. Like we need to make sure there's space for it. And then you empower that systems champion to meet with the knowledgeable workers, extract what they're doing and develop these systems. And yes. you, you can't unsee it. Now, every business that um, you've been in since, I'm sure, um, you think about systems. Like once you see it, it's night and day difference. And it's you can't go back to working in a business that has a lack of systems. Absolutely. And I, I want to give one one tip, not to steal your thunder, but one tip that I have seen time and time and time again are these businesses that complain they can't find good help. And I'm like, good help is out there. You're just not ready for them. A, you know, they call them a players, a players don't want to work for a business that has no systems. They don't want to try to figure things out themselves. They, they want to come in. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And I'll crush it, but they get tired, they get exhausted. And so they leave. And that's why most business owners can't keep those a players. And I guarantee if the business owner is saying, I can't find great staff, they won't have a very good recruitment system. They don't have a way that they are constructing a position description and writing a job ad, just like you would writing an ad to bring customers in. You have to think who is the target audience? How do I make it attractive to them? Why would A players want to apply for this position? How can I make it attractive enough that amongst the sea of the other job ads that mine stands out and speaks to them? And like that is at the heart of having a good recruitment process, like understanding who you want to attract, making sure that they will get attracted and it's interesting, and then have a process for the stars to identify and self-select themselves. Like most people just, oh, you're a warm body. Okay. I'll hire you. And then they wonder why they get average staff. Right. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. So I highly encourage you to get Systemology. It's an awesome book. It'll at least get your business started simplistic uh, with SOPs. And is there anything else you want to share last it's your call. I mean, how to get in contact. Are you open to connections on LinkedIn? Some people are, some people aren't. I mean, how, how would somebody get in touch with you? Um, but that's really the starting point. Head to um, Amazon, run a search for the book. And then if you want more help, you can dig a bit deeper. You just go to systemology.com. We have a range of additional ways that we can support. Like the book is useful and complete, but if you want a, a online program that goes deeper or you want to join a group program with other business owners, or if you want to work one-on-one -on -one with one of our systemologists, we've got some options there. Um, there's also all of the links through to my social stuff, which you'll find. I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn. We've got a YouTube channel that we publish out, uh, at least a couple of pieces of content a week. Well, you've been fantastic. This has been solid information. Uh, again, it's a treat. I sincerely thank you again. And um, just reach out, reach out, buy the book, reach out, connect with David.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to the recap and the Coach's Corner where I give applicable advice for action steps you can take that will take your business to the next level. For our recap today, I hope you found systems to be instrumental to the success of your business. I have found working with many small business owners that there are three essentials that every successful business has. Number one is guiding principles. Those are things that are like your North Star, like your vision statement, your sales playbook. Lots of things go into that. It's things that people need to know about your business so they can help you achieve your goals. Number two is systemization, which is exactly what we talked about today, systems and processes. And number three is team. Most people that I talk to, they think of team as their employees. And although they are one of your biggest assets, they're not the only team we should consider. Your banker, is your bank qualified? Are they available? Are they, can they help you take your business to the next level? Is your accountant, is, is that person a cost accountant? Can they do forecasting? Are they qualified to handle your business, your type of business? Those three things are critical to have in any successful business, systems being one of those. Coach's Corner, your action items today is create the infrastructure, decide where you're going to store your systems and processes, create the outline. For instance, if I were to go to the dashboard of your SOPs, what would I see? Would I see folders? And what would those folders be? If I was looking how to deposit a check in accounting, what folder would I check on? I highly encourage you to do some research on this. This is your action item and find what those top folders would be. For instance, in ours, it's accounting. We have a folder for marketing. We have a folder for sales. We have a folder for each division. We have about seven folders. Then when they click on that folder, what are those next lower item folders? For instance, in accounting for deposits, what kind of deposit is it? Is it a check deposit? Is it a credit card deposit? Think about the outline and the infrastructure of how people would find the system or process that they're looking for to carry out a task. That's action item number one. Action item number two is buy the book Systemology and connect with David. Tell him I said hi. Number three is once you create your first SOP, go to michaeldmorrison.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, click on Let's Chat, schedule a meeting, and I want to review that with you. In other words, I'm going to hold you accountable. And I will review your SOP, give you suggestions free of charge, and we'll go from there. We'll see you next time.